Guten Tag and bienvenidos listeners and welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. I, Brian Ernst, will be your host for today's festivities and in the den are our recurring characters with indefinite arcs, Mitch Brinkman and Nathan Hennenfent. Today, these scripted fellas will attempt to reveal and defend their top five TV characters they'd butt heads with. Our first guest was intended to be killed off at the end of season one, but due to fan demand, oh. we unfortunately had to keep him around. It's Mitch Brinkman. How are you? <laughs> yes! I was hoping you were going to say that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the little engine that could, probably shouldn't, but still can. So uh, thank you very much. And our next guest is due for a spinoff in which his side character, known for playing it safe, moves to a new city and goes on a stabbing rampage while eating every vegetable in sight. <laughs> what a departure. Nathan Hennenfent, welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. That would, if I did that for uh, Halloween this year, that would scare the crap out of everybody who knows me. And no, and no one more than you. <laughs> Uh, and thanks to everyone who participated in our table game giveaway. Big shout out to our winner, Colleen Sismasia. Congratulations. And we hope you invite us over for game night soon. And if you want to get Ooh. blown to the moon, head on over to the all new ubersinko.com, the refreshed home of our humble pod. There's literally no better place to listen or watch your favorite episodes. And come on, how else are you going to share them with your friends <laughs> don't forget to leave your suggestion for future topics there in the form uh sorry in a form or via voicemail so we can keep this train mm -hmm. rolling and once you're done palling around those new virtual digs take a load off with a quick rundown of the rules each player in the den has spent time with today's topic arranging their top five answers in order of importance those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber Stare Down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as a reminder, don't forget to stick with us until the end of the show where I, Brian Ernst, will give you my Fast Five send-off where I'll rattle off the definitive list of the top five names for your Americanized dojo. And finally, <laughs> <laughs> and finally, as host, punch, kick, leg, sweet. There we go. I am entitled to institute a house rule for today's game. Bonus points to the man, uh, any one of you who is brave enough to sing the thing. Wait, 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 Brian, 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 Brian. I'm a boy. Okay, let's be <laughs> okay. honest. Don't say, uh, man, yes. Bonus points to you. the little itty bitty boy <laughs> <laughs> who's brave enough to sing the theme song in which their character is based. Oh, oh. that's a little musical oh. numbers today. I like that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Mitch, you won the pre-show nursing home verbal assault contest, so you may go first. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I um I actually quick story uh, in high school I um did some volunteering because I was a child of the Catholic Church uh and so I was at an old folks home doing some volunteering one day and um I was uh, at in in mass with some of the residents and I was sitting on the side where there were no chairs uh, except for mine I got pulled the chair over there because I was sitting next to to the wheelchair uh, bound people mm -hmm. and I had someone who could walk come over to me after the mass um, and I would sit next to the loudest person at the community. This woman would like shout out during the mass and like say things like, Carl, don't forget to bring over the cards later. You know, you're like, Candace, just it can wait. Yeah. Like he's doing the prayer, you know, and this woman comes over and, and gets in my face, like literally doesn't allow me to get up out of my chair and goes, I don't know why you're sitting with the wheelies. And I stood up Ooh. and I said, you son of no, and no, I, I just said, uh, and then was awkward and because I was seventeen, and uh, then pushed my friend Candace back out into the to the uh, great room. But um, there's nursing so, home bullies. Yes. Oh my the god! Wheelies? Absolutely. Yes. Oh my, absolutely. That's horrifying. Yeah. There's there's also there's also like the the people who get laid in a nursing home. Oh yeah, home, that's a big. You know, mm -hmm. you're you're in a whole different class there, my dude. But okay, um, where were we? What are Uber we doing today? Oh, yep. that's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> top five uh, TV characters I had butt heads with. My my number five 
you might you might go aghast when I say this, but my number five is Ted Lasso. I can see this though. I can see it. Oh, I can can see. I can see. I can. I can see it. Okay, Brian, can you guess with one word what my problem with Ted Lasso would be in the context of being a sports coach? In the context of being a sports coach, yeah. What I would have a problem with Ted Lasso that he's not really familiar with the sport that he's coaching. <laughs> exactly. Because so therefore his coaching lacks specificity. Mm-hmm. If all you're going to say is like, Hey guys, come on, believe and uh, be a goldfish. And uh, come on now, like, let's be nasty to each other. I'd be like, you know what? How about you tell me how to beat a fucking three, two defense. How about that? Like, under, like understand what a give and go is maybe be able to kick a ball farther than 10 yards. And he never blows up at people. He does it once, but it's not even real. Like, y- y- you got to have a little bit of fire with your marshmallows, you know? And how? Do, and what does that become? That's a delicious s'more. And that's what you want as a coach. A delicious I'm s'more. Sorry, but like, that's great. <laughs> I always thought Phil Jackson was a really delicious s'more. You're right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and y- you know who is this chocolate? Tex Winter, you know? Because because what do people eat s'mores for? It's the chocolate. It's not the marshmallow. Let's be honest. Okay. Um, but we pause. This is the first time I've understood every name in a sports reference. You've given. So <laughs> be like, this is a big day for me. Thank God I watched the last. <laughs> and also, I was banking on the audience also watching the last day. Yes. So like, I hope to get triangles, folks. Um, triangles. Got it. Triangles. But Ted Lasso, I, I would just get annoyed with him just kind of always papering over things and never getting into the nitty-gritty. And he always passes off the, the, the tactics to another coach or, like, the you know, Nathan, the assistant coach. Which, like, I, I get it. Maybe you have your specialist. But I need a head coach who knows everything inside and out, front to back, top to bottom, you know, um, Asses to tails, mouths to tiptoes. I don't know what all the phrases are. But. That all sounds right to me. Yeah, but like every now and again, also, I Ted Lasso saves those dark moments for like maybe just him and Coach Beard or whatever, or for himself. I want to see that darkness because then I know that there's some kind of edge deep inside of him where when we get into a tough derby match, he's going to be there to kick some ass on the sideline and, and put people in the, into, into shape, into line. I don't know the phrases, you guys. Ted Lasso, I think, would annoy the crap out of me after a week. Well, maybe he would make a better coach than you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the phrases. <laughs> At least he has people around him that know the phrases. Guys, we got to play twinkly the- toes to, to elbows out there. <laughs> if you're not touching that white uh, leather... Um, what, 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 is it air in that thing or is it water? What's inside of a soccer ball? I don't know. Put it in the onion bag, though. <laughs> Put it in an onion bag. <laughs> that's the phrase, right? That, that, that's that the old real, English yeah. phrase. That's good. That, that one's that's real. Good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's my number five. That's, that's, yeah. That's good. I mean, I feel like you kind of described what I think all coaches do is just don't know anything. Just kind of show up and. Hey, yeah. do stuff. Okay, bye. Maybe I'm describing high school coaches. I don't know. I mean, yes, for sure. Also, part of me wants there to be like a sad spiral side, um, like a D story maybe in the next season of Lasso, which is last season, where Ted finally enjoys his celebrity as a coach and like, you know, goes out and like sleeps with people he shouldn't, maybe does some drugs, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, you know, really, really Grouse up his image a little bit, you know, get some grit around the edges. Okay. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I, I do not have insight into that writer's room. Do you did do, do, do you think that would ruin the show, Brian? I think it would. Yeah. I think they okay. kinda already right. are pushing it based on not spoilers, but what they've done with uh with Nathan's arc. Yeah. So I mean yeah. that's that's already kind of pushing it into new territory, so we will see what uh uh, how they make that play out. Because this was, what, season two? And now we're getting maybe a three and a yeah. four, depending on how yeah. things go. Maybe, maybe like, we first see Coach Nathan again. He's, like, in a no-holds-barred, anything-goes-like bordello kind of situation, you know, where there's just heaps of, of, of MDMA everywhere, you know? I don't know. That would so. be an 
I can only hope. I you can only, can hope. only hope because that's probably <laughs> all that you can do. Uh, yeah. uh, Nathan, please give us your number five to compete with Mr. Ted Lasso. All right. My number five. It's very important to make the distinction. This is post-marriage. Mm-hmm. Post-marriage Jim and Pam from The Office. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm seeing Ugh. it. I'm seeing it already. It was as soon as they got married. You know, the whole show was was leading up to their marriage you know that was where the heart and soul was was that love story and then they finally get married they they seal the deal and it's that beautiful episode where uh all the rest of the cast does this silly dance down the down the aisle and you gotta think wouldn't that have been a great last episode like if the show had ended there just how perfect would that have Mm -hmm. been and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have carried on because there are a lot of great episodes and great moments in the later seasons but uh, Jim and Pam very rarely are included in those. They just became insufferable. They That's became true. self-righteous. Um, when they had a, a kid, it was like they were the only people who had ever had kids before. They expected special mm-hmm. treatment. Um, J- Jim like starts a different company and still is allowed to work there. And then they have Jim and Pam like on the same sales team, like a husband and wife working on the same... like. Everybody in that office should have absolutely hated them by the end of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't stand it. And then they forced the uh, the sort of there was no tension anymore. It was you know that you want to see it was if you know a romantic comedy ends, you don't want a sequel to a romantic comedy. You just want the and they live happily ever after. You want everything in your head that you can imagine is going to be better than whatever really happens. And so then they forced this mm-hmm. storyline where they start to get really snippy with each other and then she gets close with the sound guy and of course it ends up going nowhere it's just it was just a big distraction and it was annoying and i I would like i would not want to hang around with them and i certainly would not have wanted to work with them jim would have been fired and and also like why why they still had so much credit with the people around them after how nasty jim was with his bullying of dwight and i mean you know the pranks were all hilarious but they were as he like got older and he's a father, it just gets more and more ridiculous to think about like this guy was such a man child. <laughs> and then you go back and you, you think like what was leading up to this, like actually they weren't really that great of people beforehand either <laughs> in retrospect. Yes. Because yes! Yes! basically you've got Pam who's um, all right, like, all right, it's one thing, you know, she's in this relationship with Roy and Roy is just a, he's a big galoot. And I don't get to use that phrase mm-hmm. very much, so I'm glad I get to today. He's just a big galoot. It's not like he's mm-hmm. an, an abusive guy. He's just kind of dumb and he's neglectful, but he's not a monster. And and Pam is basically just having an emotional affair with this guy through the, you know, first three or four three seasons. seasons. <laughs> and and Jim is for what her yeah her 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 thrills her 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 shits and giggles. Yeah. I mean, come on, yeah, and, she's messing with hearts she, here. You know, she doesn't she doesn't make the bold decision she should to to leave this guy or, or be honest about it. And Jim is persistent for long after he knows he should be. And then you know, don't don't you feel a little nasty about rooting for these people in this kind of iffy situation? And then then well, the, the, go ahead. I was say in the episode where where um uh oh my god uh, uh who, who's her first husband um, my, my brain just forgot it all of a sudden Roy uh, Roy Roy w- w- when, sorry when Roy and his brother smash up the bar after like he finds out mm-hmm. that what, what was it like right then and there I feel like that's an indication that Roy does have some some crazy in him and I feel like the only reason he doesn't indulge that again is because when he leaves and starts his fucking gravel business then he's like oh now i'm wealthy and i have anything to worry about i I think that's like the like the approach they took but i i think roy had some dirty little demons hanging back there when he was working in the warehouse they didn't show us that until way later whereas in the british office the lee character you could just see he was just kind of a a nasty oafish you know he was Mm -hmm. just kind of gross um but roy Roy, it was like they planted that later on but then i did like that the episode where Jim and Pam get invited to Roy's wedding. And it actually turns out Roy is happier than they are. It all worked out so well for him. (laughs) I I remember kind of thinking like, you know what? That's kind this is kind of how it should have been. That was actually like one of the later season episodes that I thought was really well done. But 
uh, yeah, just getting back to yeah. the main point is, yeah, like I would not want to be in close quarters, like sharing a desk pod with these two being told how everything in their life takes priority because they're married and have kids and have dreams outside the office. And I just have to kind of cater to their whim because I can have none of those things. It's all about them. And they stop being funny. Yeah. <laughs> that most of all, funny. Also, hot take. I think I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who plays Roy is a much better actor than John Krasinski. So he is a good actor. I mean, I, I fell in love with take. him in the replacements uh, as the uh, kicker. <laughs> so, I mean, I've known him for a while. I, it's, it's you know what? In, I'm, um, I'm, I'm I'm in Philly right now, and he's in Maravie's Town. He freaking rocks shit in in Maravie's Town. He's I need awesome, to see that. So I think he's in yeah. Big Fish. Am I like he plays a college football player in Big Fish? Maybe, maybe he might be. That's a long time. Right. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah he was Apologies pretty good at that. If, if it indeed yeah. was him, he was very good. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of that, Mitch, how, also, how's the water up there? Oh, the water is freaking incredible. And and actually, yesterday I went to Wawa for lunch, and it was I got myself a a, a Wawa gobbler. It's really good and a big water with it. It's delicious. Great lunch. So <laughs> great lunch. Yeah, is mm-hmm. that a Philly phrase I'm not familiar with? Just great lunch. <laughs> no, I'm just, that's just a that's say, just great Mitch. Lunch, so. Oh man, all right, I'm gonna score this out because we got a lot more lists to go through. Um, yep. Nathan, for making me think a little bit more deep about the office, you are going to get uh, uh, the full three points. Mitch, and I, I don't know, I can't get on board fully with Ted Lasso because I feel like you you secretly love him a lot outside of this. But if you were in the show, I do agree you would butt heads with him. So you're going to get two points for that first round. Yeah. Um, on to our number fours. We're going to go back to Mitch. Lay it on me. Who is your number four TV character you'd butt heads with? Um, I would be uh, my number four is Sweetie Reynolds from the American comedy classic. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And I'm not just choosing it because I'm in South Philly, um, well, at least at some point this weekend I was. Um, I'm choosing it because if I was on that show, I would also I would also be like the improv performer guy. And when she's doing her aggressively bad characters, I you know, I'd be like, you know what? Shut up, bird. Shut up. You look like a bird. Freaking go away. Let me let me do this. And I'd be like, Oh, hello. Welcome to my name is is Hugh Yorkshire Putting. Hello. Oh, oh yes. Oh Brian, ask me about my, my afternoon I'm about to have, yes? Ask me about my afternoon, Brian. Oh, what afternoon are you going to have today? What are you, what are you looking forward oh, to? I'm going to go to the football match, and I'm going to bathe in a tub of tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's my British character. It's awesome. It's topical. <laughs> it's political. Um, it breaks down barriers. You know, there's what, what other character should I do? Do you want a do you want a Midwest character? Do you want a how about a Texas character? Hit us with a Texas character. Where'd you find oil this hey. week? Oh, man, I found oil out west of Big Flower Mound, Texas. It was the best. That that, that well goes down uh, deeper than my grandpappy's pockets because he'd been making money in the oil business since before rattlesnakes could talk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, man, out here in Texas, we do a big barbecue bigger, and our dogs are mean. I tell you what, you know, my my dogs are so mean, they run along the truck. They don't get to go inside because they're dangerous. I tell you what. So, yeah, no. out here in uh, west West Texas, you know what I'm saying? I did not go through the entire uh, conservatory at the Second City on improv, but I I, oh, did. I, I did not oh, know that one of the great techniques of uh, improvisers is to instruct someone in your scene to ask you a specific question. <laughs> but I feel that would be very effective. You, you, you know, you, like, you're not supposed to ask too much, too many questions in the scene, but if your partner tells you, ask me, it says – demands ask me a question about my day <laughs> yes and it is polite yes. to ask them yeah yes, you gotta yes, yes, yes. and that thing so uh, um, i want to so know I what kind think... of drugs do you have to do in texas before you start hearing rattlesnakes talk <laughs> well you know what they they call it the big star powder that, that's what i call it. we're not sure if it comes from uh, a mexican on a hat yeah y- on a yahoo on a Yahoo something on a Yahoo plant, or if it comes from the northern Arkansas uh, a dirt route, I think is something else. People dry out, they ground up, they put in their coffee or their Lone Star beer, either or, and then woo, those rattlesnakes be talking to you from deep holes in the ground. I tell you what, but yeah, 
Any other um, characters you want? Because I got Texas. No, I want I you have. to talk about Sweetie Reynolds. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. About. <laughs> well, no, see, see, she'd be trying. I'd, I'd be doing my characters. She'd be stealing my spotlight. Yep. And um, and and I'd want to be like the funny theatrical one in in the gang. And also, I just, I just feel like she she just complains a lot, and she just looks like a big stupid bird. And I just I I think she would just annoy me because I don't like to hang out with with bird people. You know, people that look like birds annoy me. So <laughs> I'm a dog guy. You guys know that birds. No, thank you. So. I'm going to disagree with you here because I think you would fit in very well in this group, even with Sweet D, with the amount you interrupt Nathan and I while we're trying to give our lists. Brian, when you say something like that, just pisses me off, right? Okay, uh, when you say things like that, I'm just hearing squawking, you know, uh-huh. it's like, quack, 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 you know, yeah. much like Sweet so D. So wait, you're saying you would want to be the theatrical funny one in the group? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Man, exactly. Unfortunately, I you don't get enough of that what? in real life. And, and and also, come on, let's be honest. She's been riding on Frank's coattails her whole life, you know. And I think that would probably annoy me a little bit, except for the thirty years myself. that she didn't know him. That what? What do you mean? Didn't know? No, she was she was living off his money, his coattails. Yeah, she's true. a kid, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess his right? uh, well, the ex wife had it. Yeah. yeah. The poor yeah, ex-wife. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> My dad's favorite phrase no. to say from that show. <laughs> I align myself more with the with, with the Charlie Mack, you know, origin story, poor kid throwing rocks at trains, you know, finding rituals where you can find them kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's my number four, Sweet D. Reynolds. I think she would annoy that crap out of me, so. All right. Maybe I do agree with the fact that you would definitely throw rocks at trains. So uh, moving on to Nathan, what do you have for your number four? I've got uh, Danny Tanner from Full House. Ooh. Uh, I, I think I would not get along with him. and I don't think he would appreciate me very much. Uh, first of all, uh, I did a fast five on this show about how messy my apartment was, and it was only slightly exaggerated. I think after mm-hmm. 30 minutes in the Tanner household, I would have a stern talking to after a lot of t- cutting and, <laughs> and little, um, you know, Danny Tanner would not like me. He'd be, he'd have the little hand dust buster <laughs> kind of just following me around everywhere as if I was pig pen <laughs> from Charlie Brown. Uh, and then he's, he's a very structured man, whereas I'm a very laid back guy in a lot of res- respects, but my, I, I didn't rewatch any Full House. I wanted to go strictly off of memory for this, but one of the most clear memories I have of that show is when they went to Disney World, an episode where mm-hmm. I believe they end up hanging out with the Beach Boys. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> I feel like the Beach Boys made an appearance like every fourth episode in the final season. Uh, but they, they go off to Disney World, and one of the subplots is that Danny has a clipboard o fun where he has oh, like God. every second mm. mapped out what they're going to eat, where they're going to do, where they're, and you know, that is not how I do my vacations. I just, I like to be you know relaxed and if, Oh, I see this thing I want to do. I do that. I'd be weaving in and out of the itinerary, you know, very loosely structured. And uh, I would do what uh, uncle Jesse does and eventually take the clipboard of fun and throw it off the boat into one of the man-made lakes down there in central Florida and uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we we would not get along. And then the the worst part, of course, would be having to learn a lesson oh, at yeah. the end of every time you, hanging you out. You hate with, lessons. Yeah, I don't want to learn. Every time I try and lessons. teach you a lesson, you tell me to. I am off. who I am. Yeah, I have it. my own foibles, and I, they're what make me lovable. <laughs> and so I need to reset at the end of every episode. I can't learn anything. So I don't want to become a better person after spending time with people. So that is that is not something that I can have happen. So Danny Tanner and I, we just we would not get along. Um, yeah, that's that's my you, that's my. You case. want to know what's super ir- ironic about this? Is you get you would get along so well with Bob Saget. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I but Danny Tanner, with this this is just yeah. it's not a match made in heaven here. I, I can imagine if if you were to have to move into the full house, uh, then it would be Danny fuller house for real because I'm because oh, I'm dating God, one let's... of the Tanner sisters, assumably because he's tall. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, Danny would build you a room above Uncle Jesse's room. So you'd be like, it'd be like a bird's nest, <laughs> like fifth floor of the house. And Mitch hates <laughs> birds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he'd be like, Nathan, you can go up there, play the guitar all you want, and the noise will go up and away. And I can, you know, he'd be like, and he'd, he'd pat you a couple times on the shoulder and then and then lead you upstairs. So. There, there was a an episode where Danny played guitar. I th- he was trying to stall somebody. I think there was a boyfriend had come over or something. <laughs> and he, or somebody was – or one of the girls was going to go for a drive in somebody's car or whatever. He's like, well, mm. I remember my first car, and I wrote a song about it. And the only part of the song I remember is – because he's making it up on the spot. It was beep, 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 beep. The horn went beep beep beep. That was <laughs> say what you will about the standard of comedy on Full House. That makes me laugh this day. <laughs> I I love that sitcom trope. They're like, oh my god, we got like eight dirty dogs in the kitchen. We got to shampoo and clean them. Hold them off. You know? yeah. like, All right. Something going on in the other room through a very thin wall with a swinging door. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we can't like, hear nothing going on over there. There's just like, screeching puppies and I don't know how many birds in cages. Well, we got to get these things clean to bring them down to the garage sale. <laughs> they're like, like Gary, are you almost done? And Gary pops his head out of the kitchen with like soap in his hair and be like, um, yeah, one moment. And then like gets the, the suds out of his hair and yeah. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Freaking classic. Score us out. Let's, I'm going to score this out. Uh, Mitch, again, I think you would fit in better than you would be against her. So I'm giving you two points again for Sweet D Reynolds. And Nathan, I was going to give you two points again, too. But you did attempt to sing something. It wasn't the theme song, but it's close enough for a bonus point for me. So you're going to get the three points for Danny Tanner. Going back to Mitch for your number three. Please lay it on me. I'm going to sim- sing the theme song to enter. Okay. Please. It's like, it's just the, it's the last little bit before th- this show starts. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It counts. The That's, a plus one. That's a plus one. Yes. Entourage. And, and the character I'm choosing from here is Vinny chase. Of course, <laughs> everyone wishes they could have the easy, laissez-faire lifestyle. Vinny chase gets whatever he wants. Oh no. There's a little bit of trouble. Uh, he, he might not get the part. He's sad. He retreats. And then at the end, they're like, let's go to Vegas. And I'm like, great. And everything's fine. But when, when things do get tough and Vinny loves to just pull the ripcord, he's like, nah, I'm over it. Nah, screw it. Nah, I'm over it. Let's go. Like, let's just blow this popsicle stand. When like Johnny <laughs> drama has had to talk to people, turtles pulled strings. Mm-hmm. E has talked to multiple people to work all this out. And then Vinny Chase just gets to constantly go, nah, fuck it. And just quit just right there in the moment i would be so fucking annoyed with Vinny. i'd be like (laughs) we got dressed we all showered we put on cologne we put on jumpsuits we drove 45 minutes to come to this party in the goddamn hills we sat in the valet waiting area for 30 minutes to get our car valeted because there's not enough parking on this really cool architectural driveway we're here. We can see all of L.A. There's a warm pool. There's snacks. There's drinks. There's probably some party drugs nearby. There's a bunch of people to meet and hang out with. And you just want to go because Jenny McCarthy wants to make out like two houses down or whatever. I would I would probably get fired from his crew within like a month because yeah. I'd be like, yeah, no, no, you goddamn <laughs> selfish hot, beautiful prima donna. I, I, I would try and get him to like fight Fight for his image, you know, like protect who you are, because that's why he has so much career uh, instability. Also, quick question, Nathan, have you seen any of Entourage? Zero. Okay. All right. Good. Excellent. Okay. So you're completely in the dark. So I'm talking just to Brian here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like Nathan, like, I'd like the, to tell the, you the, that I have seen the show in its entirety, a minimum of four times. Yes. So he, uh, I Brian, am Brian is our here. resident ex- Yeah, he yes. Brian is our expert I'm not here proud, too. So, but it's a truth. Continue. But it, it it is what it is. So, uh, but like it, the reason he has career instability is because he has no idea who he is as an actor, as a personality. He he moves with the wind, mm-hmm. and really, it's only E that has the plan. This would annoy the crap out of me. Like you have all this power, you can get all these things at the drop of a hat. Like just stay in and fight for something for a little bit. 
Because the one time he fights for something, it's Medellin when he wants to do Latin face. I mean, he's a white guy playing a Colombian guy. And it's like, that's what you choose is to do this stupid, bad movie you, you do a terrible job of. So Vinny Chase, also, he just, he only wears like t-shirts. I'm like, you know what? You're a Hollywood A-list guy. Just dress up a little bit here and there. Put a collar on every now and again. Up your t-shirt game a little more if you if you could. You know, Are you like, talking to Vinny Chase or Adam Sandler? Or me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I agree all with three, you. All three. All three. But I agree with you full uh oh sorry, wholeheartedly on this one because I yeah. know that although your palate is snooty. You're, yeah. you're, you respect the way people treat other people. And if this guy yes. was a dick to any of his friends and you happen to be in that group, you'd be the first one to be like either you might just disappear. You may not even confront him. That's you may true. Just leave, like, yeah. I'm not wasting my time with this guy. So I know I'm going to butt heads with him. Therefore, I'm just going to exit and never see this guy again and just out. Like outbeat him for a role. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off for the same role he's going for, and I'm gonna be me, whiter than him. I'm gonna go for Latin face and go into Medellin yeah. and, and be better than <laughs> him. <laughs> because that is exactly. I never thought about that before, but that is exactly yeah. what happens. Is like, he, oh, it's so bad. That part. <laughs> it, it's like a, it's a a terrible Pablo Escobar accent, and yeah, honestly, if 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 I was at one of those parties, I would just go to E. Or maybe just, you know, I'd steal his black card and I would just go on a spree, you know? I'm, that I'm, would be well-earned because it's like, what? Yeah. You are such a spoiled yeah. little rich boy who's really never truly worked for anything. You're a pretty face and you mm-hmm. fell into it all. And you have mm-hmm. one, a brother who supports you blindly because mm-hmm. he loves you. You have E who's actually trying to do the work and build a career and then you got Turtle who does everything for you. So yep. why be such a little prick? Yeah, he uh, I, I, I cannot say how much like I wish that show was different because of just how ugh, annoying and just lazy Vince is in that show. So yeah. and yet I still watch. <sighs> Here we go. Well, <laughs> after after it. this conversation, any danger I ever had of watching it has been fully evaded that. <laughs> Did not sound appealing to me at all. Well, that's what's going to uh, be on in the background of our poker night. So you're going to yep. get it by osmosis. Uh, <laughs> number three for you, Nathan. I went the exact opposite of Danny Tanner for my number three. Mm. This is from the show that uh, Larry David made the uh, motto in the writer's room beat. No hugging, no learning. So that's perfect. Mm. But this is where it goes downhill. <laughs> I went with <laughs> Estelle Costanza from Seinfeld. And this is <laughs> this is George's George George George's mother with that that screeching voice, which maybe the maybe the best line of any sitcom in the nineties when she says I come home and find my son treating his body like an amusement park. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the best line delivery in sitcom history, but as funny as she is, and she's amazing. And Estelle Costanza, she's played by a woman named Estelle. And we all love that, don't we? When a character has the same name, the actor just adds a little gravitas to it. Which is why I was hoping you'd like The Office a little bit more. Half the characters. I I do like the office. I just I know we all do. We all do. (laughs) Yes. But so the thing with Estelle is is she complains about everything, and she and and uh, Frank, her husband, they bicker and they nag at George. The whole thing about George and why he's the way he is is because his parents have just berated him (laughs) into being so neurotic and having no self confidence and no belief in that he'll ever amount to anything because they have just beat it all out of him by the time he was four years old. And then just, (laughs) and you know, Frank is just as loud and obnoxious and they just find things to argue about. And this reminded me of when I was a kid. Now we all grew up in, in loving homes. Um, but I, I had this, these moments where it was like, Oh, (laughs) this is, you know, this, this must be what things are like. You have a nice, family or at least people you live with that you were like, well, we, we have to have an understanding here because we're going to be cohabitating. 
And then you eventually mm -hmm. go to like some friend's house that you, you like you meet a new friend when you're like 10 years old or 11 and you go over to their house and it's just a nightmare all the time. And they're just like, they, it's like, who's going to sit where at the dinner table? Why do you sit there? And I'm going to, oh, you're going to blah, blah, blah. Or like, who put these clothes on the, uh, on the chair? Like that, just any little thing. They turn up to 11 on the arguments and like, that's just how they communicate. And you're like over there for Christmas mm -hmm. and you're like, this is Christmas. Like what's an average Tuesday in October going to be like, just, <laughs> you know, screaming about, uh, about, you know, putting, uh, I can't even think of an example. It's just like literally everything. Like, like if the remote has been lost, it's lost for 60 seconds, turns into a 10 minute argument about who had the remote last. Well, I was watching Sports Center, and what? Well, it goes on and on and on, and it just—I remember it would just make me shrink and just feel so uncomfortable, and I would want nothing more to just get out of there. And I just—I—I I feel so bad for people who grew up in the constant bickering homes like the Costanzas. It just seems so unnecessary, and it's people making it harder on themselves. So I would only last a few yeah. seconds in the Costanza household. Um, and they would they would also turn it on you if like you you refuse something like they they give you a nice dinner and like oh well here's dessert here's the good what you don't want my cookies how could you not want my cookies I spent three hours making <laughs> my son told me you like chocolate chips you're not gonna eat these are chocolate chips they're your favorite <laughs> just and they, they they bring you into the the pain that they've been suffering through for the thirty years and I I can't do it so yeah. Me and Estelle would uh, not not a match made in heaven. Love to watch her on TV. Couldn't be around her. <laughs> I remember the first time I experienced this in, in real life. It was not only a family shock. It was also kind of a, a, a culture shock. So I had this friend in grade school. Um, and he, he took me over to his house once. And um, they're a black family. They're both parents are lawyers. And they have four sons. So it's a very oh. like male dominated household. And when oh, I got God. over there, like it was great. I would go over there. We play on the computers. Like I would learn things like they introduced me to Louisiana hot sauce. And I learned that I liked that. I would never have got that mm -hmm. at home. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. This is cool. A lot of different yeah. foods, a lot of different things like that. But then the brother relationships that were like so much different than obviously my sisters and I, because yeah. they were four boys ranging from high school down to like fifth grade and if you were using their video game system when they wanted to be using it it wasn't like oh, yeah. hey get off with a shove it's no i'm going to get something metal put it around my knuckles come and hit you in the thigh <laughs> until you get off my playstation 2 and i'm oh sitting God. there in the guest controller being like what the uh. hell is going on <laughs> like is this normal and then my friend's just like yeah it's, it's fine whatever He's like he like left he left to go cry and then came back and he's like let's well, just go play something else and I'm like what's happening why are you guys so mean to each other and he's like it's it's a brother's thing you wouldn't get it and I was like okay uh, so cool so we just go back to playing video games and you let me use your 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 lawyer parents copy machine because that was fun like. <laughs> They had a I had a full office in the basement. I remember going down there and like, oh, this is my Egypt phase. So I'd bring Egypt books over and make photocopies. <laughs> bring books over wait, wait, to wait, be wait, copied. Wait, 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 wait. That's this is the uh, this is the nerd I was. Yeah. So you had an Egypt phase. Oh, I did yeah. not know this. Oh, what's your favorite uh, Egyptian monument? Um, or I, or at that time, at that time it was the Sphinx. Oh yeah, of course. Classic. I loved it. I loved it. So classic. This is, I think, where my love of Luxor comes in. But anyway, um, well, hold on. I, I have a yes. quick, I have a quick comment here. I love that because you were probably what, like third, fourth grade? Yeah, fifth grade. Okay, that is absolutely the time when kids love to print out things and put them on their wall. Because yep. I had a friend, Morgan, uh, and he won't mind that I say this. I'm not even sure if he listens to this podcast, but he went through a phase of that where he would. We were um we were um uh shown sexual things probably a little young for 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 kids like he was like very much into like boobs and female genitalia too early so he would go on WebMD and print out WebMD. medical <laughs> pictures 
They had like the, the, the like WebMD, like, you know, um, like CDs where if you'd go in there and find medical pictures of, of, of women and print them out and put them on his wall. <laughs> Oh. As if it was like, oh yeah, cool guys poster, you know, like, and you're just like, you look back now, and you're like, oh my god, just, just the, just the misdirected uh, male energy, you know, at that time. But what else reminds me is very funny is uh, the same friend, their home phone number was one yeah. digit off from my parents' house, so we would get their aunts and uncles calling our house all the time on accident <laughs> because they misdialed. They're like, wow. no, 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 they're down the block. You got to call <laughs> wrong number. <laughs> so the fact that we ended up being friends and found out that they were the number that was always calling us was a very, very weird uh, moment that day. But for oh Estelle gosh. Costanza, I have no follow up questions because okay. it's Estelle She's Costanza. You, you win the three points, Nathan. You are on yep. a roll for a perfect game. So oh, I, don't mess oh it up. I, I was also going to do a. That's plus one! <laughs> you guys are both getting four points for this round because of the bonus points of singing. Good job, fellas. All right, now we got to go up to our number twos. Mm-hmm. Mitchell, who is your number two? My number two is the second in line to a media fortune um, or empire, I should say, from uh, HBO's current show, Succession, and that is Roman Roy. Um, and I know, Brian, you may have watched it. And Nathan, I don't know if you're caught up with this, but Roman Roy is, you know, uh, born into not not just one silver spoon. This guy's got a silver spoon in his mouth. He's got a silver butt plug. He's got a silver hat. He's got silver pants. He's got a silver tie. He's just, you know, I think their, their family is worth like whatever, like hundred billion dollars. He's played by Kieran Culkin and he's what the youngest of the Roy kids in the immediate family. Yes. Correct. Um, yeah. And, uh, this is another classic character of kind of like Vinny Chase, where it's like nothing has been worked for. But in this case, he didn't come from nothing. He's always had everything he's wanted, no matter what. And he has that personality where um, he's never sincere about anything. Yep. And you guys know me. Earnestness is like, I, if, if it's not there at any point, I'm probably not going to be pals with you. It's probably going to be, you know, at some point I need to know the truth about what you, what you're thinking, about how you act, that kind of thing. We're going to do Roy, bits, but you got to be serious one time throughout the day. Yes. Just every, every now and again, like it, you, you got to be just a truthful, honest, real person. And Roman Roy just makes fun of everything and is, there's always a big dollop of sarcasm with everything, every single thing he says, pretty much. Um, and then at the end of the day, he's just a scared little boy who always needs his father's approval, which um, I, you know, I, I get, I get people develop those, those, um, those complexes, but I just, I think hanging out me and Roman Roy, I think I would just think he was a selfish, pompous prick. Um <laughs> Yeah. When I first met him, we, we like we'd probably if I was younger, we'd probably go out and party once and probably have a good time. But mm. then like I'd be like, hey, where did Roman go? And they'd be like, oh, he left two hours ago. And I'm like, he just left me in Miami. And like, I guess he did. Yeah, you got to find your way home. You know, <laughs> <Yes>, like he did. <laughs> he he he'd do that kind of thing. And you know, I, hanging out with someone who is a billionaire or whatever, like I'm sure that'd be fun. That'd be cool. You get to go do some wild ass shit, but. At the end of the day, like if your soul's hurting, it's just not worth it. So, and, and I, even though like I don't know anyone who's a billionaire, I got a taste of this. One of my college roommates came from a, a, a family that had immense amounts of money and lived next door to Paul Allen out in Seattle. Oh wow! And he would he would do things just to fuck with people, and like he you would just like he never cared about anything because he never had to because he never had to work a day in his life, and he would always be like it would always be okay, and like everything was just a big insane joke to him. So uh, this is a, this is just kind of a serious one. And I think mainly you take away the theme is that all encompassing wealth corrupts wholly and completely and should not be allowed. So there it is. There's my soapbox. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm running for assemblyman, councilman, president, nice. wherever you want. I'm there. Let's eat the rich. Let's go. I wrote this down. I think it'd be on a, on a t-shirt. If your soul's hurting, you ain't worth it. So I think that's <laughs> something we sell. Um, do, do, uh, 
Do, I have not do, seen. Oh wait, no, of, that's the Jaws. Oof, I was doing the Jaws theme. I was trying to do Succession theme. That's that not fits. That fits <laughs> the, Roy, the Roy family. So you're fine. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> it's good for at least a half a point. Um, thank you. I have not seen any of this new season yet, but I have seen seasons one and two. And you are very correct about his dickishness, and it is it, it oh. almost gets frustrating to watch at certain yeah. points um, yeah. because he is a fidgety guy. He's like a heavy blinker. He's always moving around. He's squirrely. And he mm-hmm. always has Oof. to have, he just sits in the corner with a tumbler in his hand and has yep. to get in that last word. Yep. Um, and he's like a house cat that just puts their limbs all over <laughs> the arms of a chair, but he's yes. got a glass of whiskey all the time. Yeah, you know, he's it's always like, there. That's a beautiful description. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's if you think exactly about that. what his character <laughs> is. It's like <laughs> yeah. personified to the max. Um, <laughs> yeah. A uh, quick sidebar about Kieran Culkin. He was coming in when I was working at the Chicago Tribune to come in for an interview. It was him, uh, Tavi Gevinson, and Michael Sarah. They were all in a uh, play together off-Broadway here in Chicago. I think it was called This Is Our Youth. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call from his publicist 15 minutes before the interview to warn me for me to tell him that he has to sit still because it will affect the audio. She was like, he fidgets a lot and he's probably going to play with his mic. So you kind of got to tell him again that he he shouldn't do that. And she was coming <gasps> to this. So I was wow. like, I was such a baby noob at this point. I'm like already excited that like Michael Sarah and folks are coming in. So I'm like, yeah, yeah sure. I hung up the phone. I'm, like, I'm not telling him anything. He's yeah. the guest. What, what the fuck <laughs> you want, what do you want me to do? And he did fidget, but he didn't touch his mic, and it was fine. But I was like, don't ask me to do this. So that was really awkward. So uh, because you reminded me of that, that should be worth another half point or something. But uh, Nathan, you you have to give us your uh, number two here. What do you have in in your list? Oh, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hens love roosters. Geese love ganders. Everybody else loves Ned Flanders. (laughs) wow well done that's pretty good uh yeah ned flanders and i would butt heads with ned because i would like him and i would hate that i like him it's just (laughs) the the homer and ned relationship started just as purely antagonistic but it was one of the best sort of through lines of the simpsons was that homer did begrudgingly start to respect and even admire ned but he still just can't stand the guy. He still just just cannot stand him. I love like one of my little favorite mm-hmm. Easter eggs that they do is like the a scene will be in the basement or the garage of uh, the Simpson home, and just in the background, like there will be a lawnmower or something, and on it it'll say "Property of Ned Flanders." <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he completely you completely take advantage and walk over him. Now I, I don't think I would do that, but it would be one of those things where. You look over at the neighbor's house and you're like, oh, God, like they've just they've got this perfect family. Everybody's happy. And, you know, the lawn is perfectly manicured. The house looks great. They're all singing songs and holding hands. And it looks like they have absolutely no problems. And you just be like, geez, that's nothing in my house is that good. We're all yelling at each other. And Estelka stands is forcing cookies down my mouth. And I just, <laughs> and you just, the bitterness would be there. And you knew you don't agree with their, their politics or religious views. And it just, they seem diametrically opposed to everything you stand for. And then all of a sudden your car breaks down in the rain and who comes out, but Ned Flanders immediately and fixes your car. And then he brings you inside and they've got a nice warm cup of hot chocolate and they wrap a blanket around you and serve you nachos, Flanders style cucumbers with cottage cheese. And also Ned, (laughs) Ned has a bar in his basement where he can serve you draft beer. But Mm -hmm. also he's like 60 years old and still, uh, you know, looks like just the old old dad. But then there's several episodes where he like takes his shirt off or in his, his skiing outfit, and it turns out he's still absolutely ripped. So <laughs> yeah. I was gonna bring that up. I was hoping every time Ned Flanders in your world helps you, he's wearing that skin tight ski uniform. It feels like I'm wearing <laughs> nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> Also, I, I love the, the normal Flanders sweater and, and pants. It looks like he has love handles, right? Then he takes it off yeah. and he's got 
He's got the twelve pack abs. Yeah, he's ripped like Willie. Yeah, <laughs> I I remember uh, my neighbors growing up. Uh, this family that uh, still very good friends with, but they had like, uh, they they had two girls who were about the age of my sister and I, and they would always mm-hmm. have like, you know, they like they built like a big playset or they in, might have been inherited it from the family that was there before. But so, like, we would go over to their yard to play, like, on this gravel playset all the time. And then they built this deck, and then they got a trampoline. And I was like, I was like, man, they just always, Ooh. they're just always getting the coolest stuff. And then I remember I, I woke up one morning, and my bedroom was on the side of the house that looked out over their yard. And I mm-hmm. roll up the the blinds. And there's a fucking boat sitting in their driveway. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I imagine that's what like living next door to Ned Flanders is like. Every time you look over the fence or over the hedge, there's just some new toy, some new perfect thing. And you, you can never have it. And you're just jealous and you're annoyed and you can't stand them. But God, you can't live without them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I feel like the Flanders Homer relationship directly inspired the movie Envy. Have you ever seen that? Where Ben Stiller yes. and Jack Black are yes. are neighbors, and then Jack Black invents spray that makes dog poop disappear. Vaporize. Yeah, vaporize. And and Ben Stiller's like, no, that's stupid. I won't. I won't go in with you. Of course, Jack Black becomes a billionaire, but doesn't move. He just moves across the street and builds a big, insane house. Yep. And they eat flan every night, and they've got, like, monster trucks in the backyard or something. <laughs> yeah. And every day, Ben Stiller gets into his, like, 91 Honda Accord champagne color, like, you know, goes to the same job every day. And, and But Jack Black just wants to give him money, just wants to have him over, wants to give him everything. Uh, yeah. So it is very Flandersy. <laughs> yeah, it is together, but it is. All right. I need to score out this round. Cause again, I have no follow-ups for Ned Flanders. Of course he would annoy the shit out of all of us, but he is the yeah. nicest guy in the world. Yep. He did sing Nathan. So that is plus one for you and three mm-hmm. points giving you four. Mitch, you had two half points. Plus you're getting three for your cat description. That is four points all there. Now yes. we're going to go to our number ones. Mm-hmm. Mitch, who do you have? Number one on your list. For TV character you'd butt heads with. When you woke up this morning, you got yourself a gun. You got yourself a gun. Ah! And then it goes into the, into the show, Sopranos. And I am butting heads with the matriarch of the Soprano family, Carmela Soprano. Wow. First okay. off, first off is is the obvious one. I would be in her kitchen trying to improve. Her, her Italian recipes with some more flavor, some more vegetables, and she'd be like... <laughs> yeah, of course it's going to butt heads. Right? I'm going to so walk into a like- mob family's Italian <laughs> kitchen and tell them their food blows. <laughs> yeah, good plan, you dumbass. <laughs> she'd be like, Mitchell, bring me, you better get out of my kitchen. And I'd be like, no, you, there's not enough garlic. There's no spinach in this pasta. And she'd be like, we do cheese. <laughs> and it's over. <laughs> And then Tony can be like, "Are you telling my wife or whatever?" I'm not. I'm, I, I don't have a soprano ac- accent ready to go. I apologize for even attempting that there. Um, but we would obviously butt heads. Um, I would say, "How about we do some more vegetables? Maybe some more fresh fruits." Um, and she'd just about be like, more Tony, <laughs> Tony, and then he'd come down with a gun. I'd be like, "Okay, fine." Um, you can have then, your gabagool. All right, I'll stay out yeah. Of the way. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't eat her food because obviously I would, but. I think that she would get very territorial there because um, oh, yeah. that is like, that's her, the Sunday dinners, that's her, that's her realm. Um, and then, but then also secondly is her Catholicism. You know, she's just, she makes this big show of loving the church. Um, the, the, the priestess are like one of her best friend, if not her best friend in the early seasons. And she makes this big thing about being a good person and a pious person. But this whole time, I mean, like that's her whole thing is like, she's just, a fucking hypocrite because she lives with an absolute monster and benefits from it. And then when it comes down to it, we'll always protect herself and her family first before helping other people. And so like the whole Catholic act, I mean, Brian, you didn't, you didn't grow up in it. Uh, Nathan, you, you, you've grown up Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I went to mass every, every week up until I was 16. And he just experiencing the, the hypocrisy of it all. It just, it, it grinds my gears. 
it boils my blood um and it uh and it it uh it heats up my oil is yeah. that a i think, I think that's <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah it heats up my oil burns your yeah, incense heats the oil up. burns my incense um uh it it, it 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 pine tars my bath, you know all of those things. Um, Speaking of this, I got a random question yesterday from a friend who was like, "How many of the how many communions do you have to take before you've eaten the full weight of Jesus Christ?" <laughs> someone texted me that. I did the math. So they sell the a math? Th- they sell a thousand of the wafers on Amazon in a point six one pound box. So you divide okay. that; it's point oh oh six one pounds yeah. per wafer. You basically yep. have to eat over a quarter million. You take a quarter million communions to equal the oh. weight of a 150 pound man. Okay. At his peak health. Quarter, so, quarter million. We got to extrapolate this out the whole way. So quarter million wafers math. equals uh, one body of Christ, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. 52 weeks a year uh, times uh, what from your, let's say, uh, first communions at your seven. Let's say you go till you're 87 at uh, least. So 80 so times yeah. 52. Yeah, two hundred and forty-five thousand nine hundred and two, to be exact. Okay, so you're gonna have to go to mass like six days a week to like to get that in eighty years ago in a mass. Is that right? Is, is so that math okay? we take that number and divide it by three sixty-five and see what we get, huh? How yeah. many days? <laughs> How many days is it? Divided or, or by no, that's years. We, Sorry, that's years. Six hundred and seventy-three days. Sorry, years. That's years. Years. Sorry, six hundred seventy-three yeah. oh, yeah. years. So if you, you, so go, if you go, to go to mass to, every day, so you could go to morning mass, the early morning mass, morning mass, late morning mass. You, so you you have to go like three times on Sunday. You got to go twice on Saturday. You got to go. That's a lot of communion to eat. I also did the, I also ran the numbers here for how many Catholics there are in the world. Uh, yeah, claim about one point three two million. So billion, right? uh, billion. So if if uh, every supposed Catholic went to mass on one Sunday, they would eat five hundred thirty-one point yeah. six bodies of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's oh like a, a congress of Christ every every Sunday. <laughs> that's you know how they say there's like you know a flock of seagulls, a murder of crows, a a pride of lions, yep. a Congress of Christ. That's what a group of Christ <laughs> traveling about the wild. A Congress of That's... Christ. I did not think we would get here today, fellas, but that wow. is a true, true revelation. <laughs> wow. And it, like a, a Congress is a good wor- word for it, too, because you don't really get anything done at church. Oh! <laughs> yeah, because I don't think gaggle of Christ's works. <laughs> I don't think you can use that. Uh, back to Carmela Soprano. Uh, uh, yeah. Hypocrisy. Continue. Yes. I, I just, you know... Uh, also, I would I would ask Carmela, do your hair differently. W- wear some cooler clothes. She would also I'd get pushback there. Um, so I'd be her style consultant, her food consultant, and her hypocrisy consultant. She would appreciate me at no point during those things. Um, but I think even through all of that, she might still break her marriage vows and maybe give me a little kiss or two here and there. Um, and I think that would just that would just further deepen her her hypocrisy, of course. So um, I I. It, Carmela is a character you both feel bad for, and you're like, come on, why the frick aren't you standing up a little harder for yourself here uh, throughout The Sopranos? Um, because everyone and, around her has a gun. I think that would be the main reason. <laughs> well, that's true. But also, she has, like, if you will, like an invisible army of guns, because if anyone hurts her, then they're going to get true. definitely hurt. So, And she's um, the biggest gun of all in information. Boom, boom, boom. There it is. Um, And and it's just like her like babe in the wood act, like in the early seasons, you're like, come off of it. You know, like, you know what's going on here. So I need to sit down and do the full Sopranos experience. because I've had the uh, sprinkling of Sopranos or have I seen a little bit of every season, but haven't seen it all the way through. I know it's phenomenal and I know I'll enjoy it. It's it's like I just again, it's like the wire. I just I have to do it. I just got to do it and I'll like it. You can't sip the Sopranos. You got to swallow it. You got you got to take all of it. So, but all right, I will yep. put the barrel in my mouth and take it all at once. Nathan, mm-hmm. your number one. Please. Uh, my number one character, I would butt heads with, <laughs> and I say character. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, is Fox News' very own Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Another – wait, your second cartoon character yeah. on the list. That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm classifying him as a character because there's no way he truly believes any of the stuff he is saying. And there's no way he yeah, cares no. about the things he says he cares about or that he cares about his viewers he is just a shill who will say and do anything that will keep the checks rolling in. And mm-hmm. uh, so he's a character. We've established that. Why would I butt yep. heads with him? It's all pretty obvious, but first, the first, <laughs> first it's reason. He, it's because you hate bow ties. You hate bow number ties. Number one, bow ties. <laughs> number, and number two is this. <laughs> That's all I hear when I, it's just that whiny little kid voice. Like somebody took my toys and the Democrats took our toys and they threw them out of the sandbox. How can we let them do this? It, it's just, it just grates on me. And of course, uh, you know, if I talk with an upward inflection, I can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, and of course, you know, he says things that are terrible and evil and trying to undermine democracy. And he's just, yes. but so he Racist. doesn't, he doesn't believe it, but he knows it's wrong, and he still does it anyway. So it makes him even more evil than could possibly be imagined. He's like a Sith Lord of cable news. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. think it's pretty obvious. We don't need to go down the rabbit hole of why Tucker Carlson is a, a bad guy. But I lay it before your feet. I couldn't think of anything more fitting for my number one. And I don't know the theme song I... to anything on Fox News, so I'll have to concede that point. <laughs> That's fine. That's fair. You don't need that point. You don't need I, it. I, I actually did a little Tucker research just before we started because I was curious. And it turns out his his father was also like a, a broadcaster. And then I his, was going to his... talk about that. Has anybody have any of you seen The Lady in the Dale on HBO? No. The Duplass Brothers, uh, uh, four part documentary series about the Dale car. Um, no. This is the big thing about they kind of save the reveal that Dick Carlson is Tucker Carlson's father until the end. But Dick Carlson is known like he won uh, this car promotion fraud and stuff thing he did. He won a Peabody for while he was was a television anchor in in L.A. and San Diego. Hmm. And like his other big thing that he did is he outed a local tennis player for being transgender. Like that was like a big breaking story is like it's it's like, oh, my God, it's actually a woman. And it was like that was big news for the time. And then also. The, comp- the car company, the Dale, is run by a um, man who is basically transitioning over time into Elizabeth. And, mm-hmm. like, he kind of goes after her again for the same thing because, like, that's his M.O. And it's just, like, and he has no remorse for it whatsoever. Of Jesus. Like, he, like, outed this tennis player, which was horrible. And then he kind of just goes after this because now it's, like, his thing. And Elizabeth did a lot of bad things. We're not saying that uh, she's innocent in all this, but she had a lot of uh, a fraudulent things. She was kind of like um, oh, Elizabeth. What's her name? Thanos or Theranos? Oh, yes, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she like had a car that was never really made it past prototype, but said it was going to be the car of the future type thing. And you know what? Huh. If actually got the funding, it probably would have been, but. It never really made it past, but he was just kind of known for doing this. And at the end, they're like, yeah, his son went on to be in journalism, too. And they show Tucker and you're like, oh, this makes oh, so much sense. <laughs> yeah. I'll say his Tucker's stepmom was the heiress to the Swanson frozen foods fortune. So like, ah. Tucker Tucker had had so much money in his inheritance. He never had to work. So this is all him just choosing to be this much of a shithead so like that's he doesn't bananas. need the money that's what makes it even even more and more i'll sad, never understand but. that how people who have money don't know how to enjoy money i suppose that's why i don't have money because any money i've gotten i've just enjoyed immediately <laughs> uh, well like and also like his his like just snaky sensibility because at first he was like on pbs and was it CNN first? Yeah, he was on CNN. Then he went to MSNBC, and then he like, and then now it's like, and then and then he did like shock jock radio shit for a while. Did a bunch of terrible racist stuff. Stoked all like the the well, white it's almost like he's bullshit. really still coming off the high of being attacked by John Stewart when he was on Crossfire. 
Yeah. And it was just like, he got called out on his bullshit. I forgot yeah. who was even his co-anchor was on that. He was like, it's just nonsense bickering. It was, it, it was, it was either James Carville or Bill Crystal. That those were the two. Bill Crystal sounds more like who it was. I don't think it was Carville, but either way, yeah. it was like John Stewart comes on, calls what they do BS, and they're yeah. both like def- super defensive, like no, we're right. It's just we're giving people what they want, entertainment. And he's like, no, you're a news station, you morons. Yeah. And it's just like he took that to heart, and he was like, oh, I could take this even further if I want. If I go to a network that allows me to. Yeah, and- John Stewart created a monster that day. Yeah, bananas, oh, bananas, bananas, bananas. Are delicious, full of potassium. Uh, very, also good. very, very cheap <laughs> for you. A very cheap snack. Yes, for those of very us cheap. who yes. have enjoyed too much money over the first <laughs> few decades of our life. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mitch, I highly recommend you go to the Dick Carlson Wikipedia page because there's a photo with him and Gerald Ford that I think you'll quite. Enjoy. Oh God, I love Gerald Ford culture. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for making my blood boil, Nathan, I'm only going to give you two points. <laughs> three. Uh, Mitchell, who is yours? What are we talking Carmela about? Carmela Soprano. Carmela Soprano. I mean, you did sing the song. I was going to give you two points. Woke up this morning. You did walk got into myself a gun. You walked into the den telling them that their food sucks. I, can only I did. Give you two I did. Points, but you got the extra point. Wait, wait, wait hold on. Brian. That takes a bold nature. That's like, if anything, that's that's chutzpah that I went in and did that. Shouldn't that is I get chutzpah, three points for that? But there is no Jewish food in the Soprano household, which ah, means yeah. that you are getting a total of 15 points to Nathan's 16 Ooh, points. Ah, Nathan, you are the winner uh, by a margin. Congratulations, mm. sir. And as I mentioned earlier, my fast five yeah. is going to be the top five names for your dojo. These, no of course, are only Americanized karate studios run by white guys that really love Cobra Kai. <laughs> Number five, House of the Kneeling Dragon. It sounds so cool on paper, but when the first student asks why a powerful dragon has to kneel, you get to say, drop and give me 50, because you're the boss. Number four, <laughs> Roaring Eagle Martial Arts and UPS Drop-Off. Oh, yes. Class signups are down, and you know what? UPS makes it easy for you to scan and earn. Number three. (laughs) Full life energy wellness and front kick society. (laughs) We tried to be holistic, but sometimes violence is the answer. Number two. Screaming Banshee (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu. Chicago's premier loudest dojo. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) Tiger Roar, Dragon Wing, Bear Claw, and Rabinowitz. Dojo (laughs) Masters and Attorneys at Law. (laughs) And that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco from the Sopranos Kitchen yelling and telling them that they need more oregano has been... Match break bad! And Nathan, who is sitting there feeling like he's wearing nothing at all, nothing at all, has been. Nathan, <laughs> Like I said, because I said it twice. And I've been Brian Ernst. And as Biz Bear always says, wear white after Labor Day. You earned it. Avita Zane and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.